Hello and welcome to the show. We'll have our normal Mid-South television review a little bit later on, but as I'm sure everyone listening knows, the wrestling world lost another great last week. A legend of Mid-South and more, beautiful Bobby Eaton passed away at 62 years old. My name is Lawrence Garza, and this is my memory of Bobby Eaton. It was May 22, 1986. The NWA came to San Antonio, Texas to put on a live show at the Convention Center Arena, which has since been torn down. I was 14 years old, and I witnessed then-NWA World Tag Team Champions the Midnight Express defeat the Rock and Roll Express. Bobby Eaton was as spectacular as he could have been any other night. Instead of it being on TV, I witnessed it live, which was just incredible, being as I was 14 years old. I never forgot that night. It was definitely an experience that still lives to this day. And it breaks my heart to know that Bobby has gone on to to uh has gone on to the next life. There's never been anybody like him. There there never will be anybody like him again, and he was definitely an innovator and a pioneer. The man was just incredible in the ring and from what I've read and heard other people tell he was a genuine a genuinely good person. We'll miss him. We love him. And I hope that wherever he is, he's at peace with his wife. And I want to say thanks to Bobby for all the memories of my youth. Thanks for making the 80s a definitely tolerable time period, being a teenager and all. You were definitely an inspiration. You were definitely a hero. Rest in peace, sir. And thank you again. I don't think Bobby Eaton was ever in a bad match. Um, I was first exposed to him uh, in Mid-South in the early 80s, mid-80s, somewhere in there. Um, and those legendary battles, you know, that Bobby and Dennis Condry had, that was the, the guy uh, I, I most recognize him with in the tag team of the Midnight Express, more so than Stan Lane. Though Stan Lane, um, you know, what they did later was, was, was good too. But, uh, you know, my first connection was when he was, you know, wrestling with Condry and they had those battles with the Rock and Roll Express. And, um, you know, they were always, um, you know, at the top of the card with those battles. And you, you frequently saw those guys wrestle 60-minute matches, you know, or even more. They actually made scaffold matches um, somewhat entertaining. And, like, the, one of the most in, in memories that kind of sticks out in my mind um watching them battle the Midnight Express or the Rock and Roll Express in the Superdome um, was when Bobby Eaton, you know, fell from the top of the scaffold. And um, he took some hellacious bumps. Um, I don't know how he was able to physically walk out of there. But, you know, looking back at him, as you look at some Midnight Express matches now, you see um, just a, a great greater appreciation of how much of a technician he was, how much he sold uh, contact and how, you know, I, I heard later how he was always good at protecting other guys he was in the ring with. Uh, you know, I saw him, I remember seeing him in single singles matches. I think that was more in the NWA. Um, you would see him in a program. Uh, by the way, I saw him in a program with the Midnight Express when they went against Arn and Tully uh, for the tag team championships, which, which was which was a great work. Um, obviously, Jim Cornette enhanced what they did. Uh, but the funny thing is, Bobby Eaton, I 
loved and respected and watched him so much, it didn't occur to me until later on that he barely ever said a word into the microphone. Like, all of the stuff that he did that was so captivating, that made him such a treat to watch over the years, you know, as important as cutting promos and, and being able to talk on the microphone is, 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 is such a big deal. I mean, obviously, he had Jim Cornette to do that for him. Um, Dennis Condry would do a little bit of that. But, you know, all it would be is just Bobby uh, and his mullet. And he would frown and sneer, nary say a word. But um, you didn't really realize it because he always put on one hell of a match. He just kind of spoke with, um, you know, with his facial expressions and being able to work the crowd without really screaming at him or saying a whole lot. He just had that that it factor. So, um, yeah, the tag team wrestling, as I know it, as I grew up to appreciate it from a young kid in the 80s, you know, and then all of a sudden you get into the 90s and, you know, you're looking at what you say is, okay, this is what a tag team should be. Um, what Bobby Eaton was able to do with the Midnight Express kind of set the table for me because, believe it or not, so many of the tag teams fell short in my mind uh, over the years because I always made the comparison to the Midnight Express or the Rock and Roll Express, and and Bobby Eaton was a huge part of that. Hello, Stephen. Thank you for the opportunity to come on Mid-South Moments podcast to commemorate the life and times of beautiful Bobby Eaton. My name is Phil Stegall. I've co-hosted with Stephen about a dozen times or so on Mid-South Moments where we talk about uh, the greatest wrestling territory of all time, uh, Mid-South Wrestling. Beautiful Bobby Eaton was one of those wrestlers that I grew up with. And I think for many of us, the most influential wrestlers are ones that we saw from a young age and then all through their career. And Bobby Eaton was certainly one of those for me. Bobby did not have a big gimmick. He was a heel, but he made wrestling absolutely believable. What he was in the ring looked like something that a lot of heels aspire to, but he could do it without a lot of over-the-top flamboyant actions or attitude. He just appeared to be as a real person, an athlete, and a wrestler that would create a lot of heat just from his actions and things he did in the ring. Obviously, he had uh, as part of a team where a lot of the promos were cut by someone else. But Bobby put the actions behind the words. And he was uh, quite an athlete, for sure. But he would make you believe what was going on in the ring was was really happening. Now, after someone passes and you hear a lot of the great things, obviously the outpouring for Bobby Eaton has been overwhelming. You hear things about what an absolute wonderful person he was. And in real life, how kind and generous and just a loving, caring person uh, polite and nice to everyone he ever met. I've heard many stories about him being out in public uh, to where he just treated people um, very well. Now, I've heard more about him than most wrestlers of the past, 
But what sets him apart is I heard all these things long before Bobby passed. If you go back and listen to some interviews and some shoot interviews that are done over the past decade or so, all these things were said about Bobby before he passed, which I believe speaks volumes. He was a tremendous talent, he's a great athlete, and apparently just a wonderful human being. Thank you, Stephen. Hey, this is Coach Canova. Uh, you know, when Stephen asked me to say a few words about beautiful Bobby Eaton and his passing, you know, it took me a couple days to kind of reflect on it because I'll be honest, if someone asked me who my favorite wrestlers from the 80s were, he probably wouldn't be someone that I would think of in my top 10 or top 20 favorite wrestlers. You know, because he wasn't one of those guys that were was uh, charismatic on the microphone. Uh, he didn't stand out. He wasn't flamboyant. You know, and those are typically the guys that that uh, that that are at the top of people's list. You know, but but the more I think about it, whenever you have a great team, whatever sport it is. You know, I'm in, I coach basketball. You know, you can only have one leading scorer. You can only have one leading rebounder. You can only have have one person who leads and assists or steals. But you always need that player that's the glue that makes everybody around them better. And the more thought I put into it, that's Bobby Eaton. He made everybody around him better. And it it appears he was okay with not being the one in the spotlight. He just loved doing his job. And so that's what makes Bobby Eaton great. He didn't need the mic time. He didn't need the spotlight. He just loved doing what he did and did it great and made everybody around him better. You know, and I can appreciate that more as I get older and I'll watch more of his work. But the thing, more than anything, that sticks out with Bobby Eaton, and, and you know, when someone passes, it, it, we all tend to hear all of the great things about him when someone passes. But Bobby Eaton was one of those guys that you forever, forever heard how great a guy he was. You never heard a bad word about Bobby Eaton. He was so respected by his peers. He was so beloved by the wrestling community that ultimately that's what's most important in life. How respected are you amongst your peers and and how much people around you love you. And that, I think, is going to be more than anything else, Bobby Eaton's legacy. I even heard a story where Bobby Eaton was one of those guys would bring extra stuff in his bag, whether it was gear or tape or this or that and the other. So if, a, if another wrestler showed up to the venue and they, didn't, they were missing something, Bobby could loan it to him. That's just a special, selfless person. And I never had a chance to really talk to Bobby Eaton. I met him on an occasion or two. Uh, 
But one thing you can tell was Bobby Eaton loved the wrestling business. And by hearing all of his peers and seeing the tweets and seeing all of the, the different statements made by people, the wrestling business truly, truly loved Bobby Eaton. Rest in peace, Bobby. God bless you, your family, your friends, and all your fans. You truly left a legacy. Zeus King also asked me to read the following about Bobby Eaton. I feel fortunate that I was able to see him live and on television so many times. My first exposure to him was one half of the Midnight Express with Dennis Condry in World Class. Bobby was such a good heel. He meshed with Condry and their teamwork so well. It was obvious that he had good fundamental wrestling skills and put his signature on key moves. His neck breaker, his punches, the flying elbow drop and the Alabama jam became synonymous with Eaton. I saw him live with several different tag team partners over the years. Sweet Stan Lane the most, but also with Arn Anderson and Dave Taylor. I also got to see him in singles action against such legends as Steve Austin, Cactus Jack and, well, Glacier. Win or lose, Bobby was smooth, believable and prompted strong reactions from the fans. I'm thankful I got to meet Bobby, Stan and Jim Cornette at WrestleCade in 2017. Eaton was friendly and very humble. I've never seen such an outpouring from the wrestling community of good things to say about someone than Bobby Eaton. Rest in peace. Jay, to Lawrence, to Phil, to Terry and to Zeus for your great contributions. Clearly not only was Bobby one of the most proficient in-ring performers ever, he was also one of wrestling's good guys. Watching his Mid-South run as part of the Midnight Express for the first time was one of the real highlights of doing this podcast so far. I'm sure I echo all of the listeners' thoughts and feelings when I send condolences and absolute best wishes to his friends and family. In the background you can hear Chase from the movie Midnight Express which Dennis and Bobby used for many years there in his music. of the show. We welcome back to the show today, regular co-host Stuart Roberts. How are you doing today, Stu? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thanks for having us on. Uh, it's been a, been a while since I've uh, been on one of these cards. I couldn't do the last one with you and Mark, so uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, so we're going to do a bit of a departure from our usual format today and that we're going to do a watch along. So if for those of you who are listening, you don't have to watch along, as I always say, but if you'd like to watch along, um, the video on YouTube is 1985-0808, episode 309 of Mid-South Wrestling, and always catchy titles, they always are on YouTube. Um, <laughs> um, we're going to skip forward because I can't be bothered to sit through the titles. So we're going to skip forward. So if you start the video on 42 seconds... That'll go straight into um, Joel and Jim Ross, and we'll just listen to what they've got to say, uh, and then we'll watch the show. So, right, three, two, one, play button here. You can hear a little bit of the Mid-South. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting hour of America's number one wrestling program, Mid-South. Oh, and I've paused it straight away. It's a good start. Along with Joel Watts, we'll be describing the action, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of things for you, and hopefully later on in the hour, we're going to have some highlights uh, from the Superdome. Uh, we hope to have that footage just a little bit later in the hour. But, Joel, uh, needless to say, we do have another tremendous hour for the fans. Oh, yeah, we've got a great lineup of Mid-South Wrestling stars for you. You're going to see Hacksaw Jim Duggett in action. You're going to see Eddie Gilbert going against the Nightmare and 
in kind of an unlikely match. You're going to see Bobby Fulton in a challenge match against superstar Bill Dundee, and we'll be seeing the reason for that just shortly. We'll also hear from Dick Murdoch. Uh, Jim, it's going to be an exciting hour. It certainly so is. we've got an exciting hour in store. Now, something interesting for you, Stu, is that this, this episode actually aired on the same day as this Superdome show that they're talking about airing highlights of. So... I yeah I, I'm I, I'm sure you're on the edge of your seat as I am Rip. to see whether we're actually going to get some highlights because how are they gonna, how are they going to do it and they've got a little time machine there they're going to go forward in time um, and then go back again but we'll see we shall see um basically uh, as we've just seen they, we're cutting back now and this is the first time that I've seen them do this so you've seen a little graphic on the screen there um, of Power Pro Wrestling and Power Pro Wrestling was essentially their version of Wrestling Challenge so like Wrestling Challenge was the WF Superstars kind of like the second the second show, if you like, back in the day. Um, so we're going back in time two weeks uh, and we're getting basically a replay of um, a match with the Fantastics um, versus uh, Tommy Pritchard and Pat Rose here. Um, so you'll see in a second that the, the Fantastics are going to really milk their entrance with the young ladies at, um, at ringside. What do you think of the, the ring jackets the Fantastics have got on here? Oh, they're, they're almost like a souped-up uh, uh, British, like um, uh, wedding-style uh, coat, aren't they? With some sparkles on the back. I'm trying to think what the uh, uh, what they like call tails. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they've got their biceps showing because obviously, clearly, they need to be out, and they've worked very hard on those. Um, and they're hugging a lot of ladies. This is from two weeks ago. Um, this match, uh, and basically, as I said, this is the, this is the first time that I think they've ever done this on the main Mid South show. So this this Power Pro Wrestling show existed from I believe around 1984. But they very rarely ever refer to it, and clearly, it's been taped in the same building as the as the main show here as well. How many hugs do you think the Fantastics have given out so far oh, here? <laughs> I reckon they're on at least thirty now. <laughs> yeah, they're on a lot of hugs, but they they don't seem to be. Uh, as I say, that they, they, they um. Tommy Rogers did give a, um, a hug to one of the guys at ringside then, but they're predominantly just choosing the female ringsiders here um, as they finally make their way into the ring. Um, so as we said, this is going to be a tag team match um, against between them uh, versus Pat Rose and Tommy Pritchard. But before they get started, if I can time this right, I believe we're going to have a little bit of an interruption from Mr. Superstar Bill Dundee, who happened to be the book of the promotion at the time. So let's cut into the sound and hear what... Mr. Dundee has got to say for himself as he's coming in. I was going to ask you this, but now I'm going to tell you. I don't like you strutting. I don't like you shaking your little booty so all them little girls will catch doesn't like them shaking their little booties. I'm only going to tell it to you one time, Bobby. I invented all this stuff, Jack. When you was crawling around the restroom floor, I was not in school of hard knock. And I don't want you doing it, okay? Leave it at that and I'm giving you a fortune. Don't try. Don't try, Bobby. So is he basically telling him not to shake his booty anymore? Yeah, exactly. So so Dundee slaps um, Fulton here, um, and and he ends up on the on the wrong basically the wrong side of a punch back. So I don't know if you caught much of Bill Dundee, but as you said, he basically said uh, that these guys just stopped shaking their little booties. And he invented all this stuff when he was caught, and then he was saying these guys were crawling around the restroom floor while he was in the school of hard knocks. Just a completely. You know, very difficult to understand promo here from Mr. Dundee. Um, Fulton, as we say, Fulton protested this a little bit, a little bit, but not too much. Dundee gave him a hard slap before Fulton deposited him out of the ring. Um, and Dundee, as you said, was very difficult to understand here. And I think this is a combination of production of the old tape, his accent, his pure mumbling, and the fact this wasn't a very good promo, really. So, yeah, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, this kind of Dundee? This is the first instance of Dundee having any hint of any heel behaviour here as well. 
yeah. Um, I'm, there's not really a lot to say, mate, because um, like you say, it really wasn't very, very clear. I just, I just think it's quite funny about it was all over over them not shaking their booties, really. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that's some lovely, lovely head scissors as well. That so, yeah. Uh, Tommy Rogers, a lovely head scissors takedown on uh, on Tommy Pritchard here. And I've always go on, you go ahead. Yeah, well, I, was, I, was just, I was just thinking while we're talking about uh, Tom Pritchard, I've, I've always been really fascinated. I never really uh, looked into it very much. How, because um, yeah, he was with uh, Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey, wasn't he? And, yes. And how they, yeah. how they, how that little stink come when they were in the W. I think it was around about '93, wasn't it, when they came in as the Heavenly Bodies? Um, and and I've always been, I've never really got my head around how that happened because they were like with Smoky Mountain Wrestling, weren't they? So um... yeah, I think at the time there was a um, basically a talent exchange between the two the two groups because they used to send um, they used to send people even people like the Undertaker used to do matches down there um, at certain times for their big shows. So I think there was just a talent exchange, and as part of that, Jim Cornette came in and did did the managerial role for Yokozuna yeah. and stuff. So yeah, the, the interesting thing about Pritchard is that he um, in this role at the, at the time he's very much enhancement talent, though very 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 marginally and mildly pushed. In that he had a couple of wins and stuff on TV, but not very much. But a bit, a bit of time before this, he headlined in Portland with Ric Flair. So I presume he was. I, it depends on whether Flair was was playing the role of face or heel in that that territory. But you think that's a bit bizarre that someone is in that role somewhere else, but obviously not not you know you're not quite yeah. as highly thought of here. Oh, oh, nice snap snooplex there. Yeah, because I think I think he's been very proficient in everything that I've I've seen him in here. But Pat Rose is getting a. Um, do you know what? I get the Fantastics mixed up a lot, which is, which is bad, really, because I, sh- I should know who each one is by now. Um, but that's Tommy Rogers in the end, I'm sure about that. So, yeah. Are there any tag teams over time that you used to get mixed up in terms of who was who? Beverly Brothers? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. That's, a, that's an obvious one in tits. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember the, the infamous one was at SummerSlam 1990 when the referee couldn't tell the difference between Axe or Smash or Crush. Ash. Yeah, yeah. it's just like, well, he's got short hair and he looks nothing like him. So, yeah, that was an excellent, an excellent match from the first ever WF pay-per-view you ever saw. So, basically, we're in the ring. Um, Dundee is back out now and he's attacking uh, the Fantastics. And um, Dutch Mantel is in there with his ball whip as well. So, we're getting the full-on turn here of, um, of Bill Dundee and his alignment with... Um, Dutch Mantel. So unfortunately, Fulton is getting beaten down um, by Dundee, held out, and is being now whipped by Dutch Mantel. I can't imagine that's too nice to take that ball whip. I wouldn't have thought. That's quite. That's a bit brutal. That <laughs> yeah, it is really like it's quite four or five before uh, eventually Rogers makes a save with a with attempted chair shot, but the chair flies out of his hand, and Dundee I think managed just about to get out of there um, before. He got that that chair hard on him. Um, I thought um, the match was kind of fine before the interference, um, yeah. as we talked about. But yeah, nothing. Any, anything more to kind of add on that before we, before we move on? No, to the not, next, not, uh, not next really. Segment. Just those, 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 just those bull whips were were were, were brutal. Really. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah, not something you'd probably see today. No, no, absolutely not. Um, basically, Joel uh, on when, when they cut back to Jim Ross and Joel Watts, there he said that um, at first it appeared to be a minor little argument, but then it got blown into something altogether different. So clearly Dundee is not happy about the booty shaking. Uh, and next up, following this, we had the challenge match with Superstar Bill Dundee, which I didn't really explain why this was a challenge match. 
um, who, when we eventually see him, is going to be wearing a predominantly pink suit with some black trim, as we see Boyd Pierce in a very demure outfit for him. Um, when you, what do you think of Superstar Bill Dundee's outfit here? Oh yes, <laughs> I like that. That's a that's an electric pink. That into that looks like, yeah. like the highlight of it. <laughs> a little booty shake for Mister Dundee as well. There. <laughs> And then I have we to got... say the uh, that Boyd and uh, and Joel their 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 ring attire is 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 very uh, very downplayed. Uh, yeah, comparison to previous previous weeks, isn't it? So I think we got the Mid South dress code in 1975 came in because they're all wearing Mid South blazers and stuff now, which is a, a bit disappointing, really. Given that oh here we, we go more hugs. Boys, yeah, more more hugs. So um, Fulton is out. More hugs and kisses for the ringsiders here. And he's got a red version of the jacket he was wearing on Power Pro Wrestling a few weeks ago. Um, and basically, as we said, this is uh, he's out to the Sharp Dressed Man theme song. Um, a member of ZZ Top passed away a week or so ago, wasn't it? Was it the bassist yeah. or guitarist or something? Uh, oh, it was. It was the guitarist, wasn't it? I'm trying. Yeah. To think. That's you know, I'm trying to think what his name is now. He's gone out. He's gone out my head. Yeah, yeah. That was a real, uh, real shock. So. Um... Yeah, so that I mean that that song is an excellent um exe- yeah. excellent theme tune for these guys. Uh, I'm trying to think who it was, who was it, who was it? I don't know. I can't. I'm, I'm losing that Google. It's, you haven't got time on a watch along to look things up, unfortunately. As, I know. I know. I'll, I'll, in the I'll, room. I'll, do, I'll, I'll do the honors, mate. Yeah, I'll you do, do the, the honors <laughs> as uh, as we go into this next match. So, so we've got a um, we've got a, boot, a booty shake off here. So uh... yeah, absolutely. And before before the match actually begins, Dundee questioned how Fulton could be called a sharp dressed man in that nothing happening jacket he then added that if Fulton was lucky enough to beat him in this match he could be a sharp dressed man as he would win Dundee's suit now I think you'll you'll you, you better see this as well I think it's fair to say that Fulton is a little bit taller than Dundee so <laughs> and you can see it really clearly here I mean he's much taller than him isn't he it's, it's so, a good half foot in it <laughs> yeah there is so like really would you want a? Would you want someone else's jump? Let's forget what color it is. Would you want another another person's sweaty kind of? It's, it isn't a jumpsuit because it's in two parts, but it kind of looks like a jumpsuit. Would you want that as a prize? Well, I don't know. I'm, 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 says the man that's sitting here wearing an electric pink t-shirt as we're talking. So I probably. <laughs> oh no, I'm it. not. I'm I'm for the color. <laughs> let's let's not let's not go wrong. Brett Hitman Heart colors. I like the color, but I'm just thinking. I mean, if you won that at the end of the match, would you be expected to put it on? I mean, it, it's just been like it's just sweaty yeah. geese that's been in it. I wouldn't want that at all. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. And, and in answer to your question, it was Dusty Hill. Yes, Dusty Hill course. was as yeah. easy. Top, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. there's a lot. Um, we t- I talked about off. You'll hear this later, but I've talked about obviously lost Bobby Eaton uh, and the, the assassin as well, Jody Hamilton as well. So unfortunately, there's a lot. Unfortunately, from our childhoods, there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of people that you lose all the time, sadly, at this point, yeah. aren't there, really? Yeah, yeah, not not good at all. Um, so, yes, going back to um, this, this basically, this prize, the other thing, obviously, is it wouldn't fit you either, would it? I mean, it would be ankle... An, is, is the term ankle swingers still something shin, you use? Shin length it would be, wouldn't it? So, uh, probably... So, say that again, sorry, Stu? Ankles. I said it would be shin length on him, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 It would be. It would be. Yeah. Do kids still say ankle swingers to other kids these days? Do you think? I, 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 do you know what, mate? I profess I've never heard that term before. You've wow. Okay, so you've never heard ankle swinger. I mean, it's thinking back now, it's actually quite unkind because ankle swingers was a thing where, like, if someone turned up, let's say it's like getting into uh, 
spring summer term at school yeah and the kid hasn't got new trousers and they've they've had a growth spurt and all of a sudden their trousers are like literally around their ankle are like right. kind of don't get, get, get down as far as their ankles that was ankle swingers I've yeah. never, I have never that heard must that must be a southern before. thing I guess and yeah I've never heard that before so uh... <laughs> in the match there was there was quite a good big Bobby Gochan uh, and um as we said, Dundee did a little dance before this. And, and uh, going back a few minutes, he did take a long, long time to get this suit off, uh, but not at the level of Terry Daniels when he had his, his Marine outfit. Um, I thought Fulton, he's, he's smashing some good elbows here. I thought he he showed some good fire in this one. He looks, he looks sharp, doesn't he? he looks, yeah, he really he does. He really, really does before Dundee. It's interesting that Dundee's got himself a heel turn and, um, you know, more a more prominent role on television given that he's booking at this point so um yeah but, but kind of an interesting decision there as uh Fulton holds him down in an arm lock um Ross said for viewers just joining us Dundee had put his ring outfit up and he was sure that was a very expensive garment and then there was an odd moment as well when Joel almost like healed um Fulton a bit there by saying I mean Fulton hasn't put his ring jacket up and, and, and then he thought, oh, wait, hold on. I've just, just kind of made the baby face a heel there. And he said, well, actually, that's neither here nor there. So I don't know whether someone, maybe Bill shouted at him off screen or something for that. Um, you've got a real treat. I don't, I don't want to give this give a spoiler away, but I have watched this. And this is, this is Stu's first airing of this, uh, of this show. We've got a real real treat of a finish coming up in a few uh, a few moments time so right. i'm just Next. i'm just stalling because i think it, i think it's coming very very soon so yeah um trying to think what to what, what who's who's norwich's first game in the premier league who have you got uh, Li- liverpool oh an easy start is that home or away it's home to liverpool then away to uh away to manchester city the first two games oh easy. yuck yuck oh, and, and, then, and then maybe we'll just throw leicester city in who finished third or i think it was third or fourth and then Arsenal. So that's our first four games. So, so basically four of the top five or top six we're, we're playing. Uh, yeah. So mm. that'd be fun. Are you ready for the football season or do you feel like you need more of a break? Do you know what? I'm so loving the Olympics at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy. I'm not really thought about football because I'm just yeah. well into the, I've just absolutely loved the Olympics so much. So uh, it's quite nice in the morning, isn't it? Wake up because I guess you're probably up a bit earlier yeah. than me. But even around seven o'clock, you still got quite a lot going yeah. on. So it's quite good fun having that on. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, we're kind of getting to the kind of. Um, I've always feel like to, at this point, when like the after the hundred meters is done, and like a few of the, the sprint stuff, it's almost like you're in the kind of dregs now in terms of stuff that's left. I don't yeah. think have we got too many. I don't think we've got too many medal hopes left, have we? By this we've got a couple in the boxing, haven't we? Have we? And they're still they're still in it, are they? Well, we've got, not, we're in the not uh... by when the time this comes out, it's, it's, it'll be all over. But yeah, oh yeah. wait a minute. There's, here's the finish coming up now. Okay, so, did you just catch that ref bar? Oh. So basically, I was just thinking at this point, this is a decent match until there's a total mess at four minutes in the corner, followed by a terrible ref bump where he wasn't, he was basically glanced by Fulton's hand. And Dundee went up to the top rope, an automatic DQ, which it should have been, but referee obviously was down. And then he dropped the earthquake style splash, which I thought actually looked quite impressive, didn't it, the way he did that? That was that were good. Yeah, that yeah was, it that was, was good. That was really but I bet good. that hurt, but probably both of them actually. Um, and then basically that that was the one, two, three in just over four and a half minutes with the referee miraculously recovering from his sort of grazed finger Glancing to the face. Blow. Yeah. But the most important thing is, is at least he's got to keep his pink trousers. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and Dundee put the trousers on and then um, Dutch Mantel's out there and he's got hold of, Tom, of uh, Fulton's jacket here. 
and he and unfortunately Dundee is ripping up that jacket now. Who do you, who do you think cost outfit cost more money? Do you think um, Bobby Fulton or Dundee here? <laughs> oh, it's got to be Dundee, especially with those glittery stars on the back. Two parts, so. I guess. Yeah. So Tommy Rogers is now out to confront Dundee, and instead of just attacking him, he's standing there talking to him. It's like, come on, man. Your tag team partner just had his ring jacket torn go. apart. And that affects him as well, because if his ring jacket's torn apart, you can't wear yours anymore because you have to have matching jackets. So he eventually attacks him and Dutch Mantel comes in and makes a save. Um, yeah, I don't... What did you think of that hesitation there? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was almost like he was giving him a bit of a lecture, <laughs> a mm. bit of a lecture, wasn't he? But hey, so it's been all action this first 20 to 15 minutes, isn't it? So, it has um, been, yeah. They've just stripped off um, Tommy Rogers's uh, um, uh, belt there. So I'm lost for words as I'm seeing what's happening and trying to whip him with him. And uh, Fulton's getting back in there to, to make the save at long last. Now oof, Dundee oof. is getting uh, getting whipped. So um, yeah, sorry, Tom. I think I've got the I've said the first names wrong of the the fantastic there. So apologies for that faux pas. So um, yeah, Fulton has cleared the ring and they're standing tall there as uh, Dundee. There's been and some, there's been some brutal. There's been some brutal whipping going on, isn't there? Well, I think they probably logged those in the memory bank from a few weeks ago with that ball whip, and they were waiting for the for this to, uh, yeah. you know, to, to to kind of, um, you know, pay that pay that pay the price back, I suppose. But going back to football, I feel like after the Euros and start, like by the time this comes out, Fulham Fulham have already played their first game. We've got to play Middlesbrough. We're recording this on Thursday. It's out the following Tuesday, but they've got we're playing Middlesbrough on Sunday. So I can't really be bothered. I just I quite if someone could have six months off, I'd be quite I'd, yeah. I'd take that at the moment to be honest. Have you got a season ticket this season? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which so. arrived today with loads of stuff that was just. I'll read out one of the one of the sayings that was in the um that was in the season ticket packet that made me feel a little bit sick. Uh, it was Craven Cottage where we sing, hope, laugh, and cry, and vomit Ooh. at awful things like that. Ooh. So there we yeah. go. Uh, on screen, we've got Dick Murdoch with Jim Ross and Joel Watts, and he had on a WrestleFest 1985 t-shirt, and that was an event that took place on July 28, 1985 at the Skelly Stadium in Tulsa, and featured Watts, Murdoch, and Jim Duggan in a successful six-man tag team encounter against Kamala, the Zambu Express, and Skandar Akbar. The main event also saw NWA world champion Ric Flair beat Dusty Rhodes by DQ, in the semi-main event. And in the main event, Wahoo McDaniel beat North American champion, the Nightmare, in four minutes and 44 by DQ. So in that in that wonderful WrestleFest 1985, you got two disqualifications in their in their final two matches. And um, on screen at the moment, this is the first time you've seen this guy. This is humongous. This is Oliver Humperdinck's new charge. And basically last week, um, poor Dick Murdoch was kind of tricked into taking a match with this guy. Um, and ultimately, we're going to see what happens because they replay the whole thing. So because of where this where this taping fell that was basically being aired on the day of the Superdome, um, it, it's ended up being one that has quite a lot of replay stuff in it. But you'll yeah. see what who's uh, what who, what wrestlers does this humongous make you think of when uh, given the, his outfit here? Well, the first thing I thought of was when um, when Dustin Rhodes was uh, seven in, uh, in in WCW. Okay, okay. Remember, remember that? And he when he floated down to the ring and he did that promo, didn't he? Where he was just basically saying, "This is just crap." <laughs> That's one I think one of the most infamous. Um, so that that was the first thing that came to mind. But he's almost got like um, 
Is it like a Jason type Halloween esque mask on, isn't he? Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, I, I thought that at the top. But I, there's, there's definitely demol- demolition vibes on in, in yeah. terms of his outfit, isn't there? I, th- yeah. I think. Um, I don't think. I mean, this guy's an interesting one because he he. So basically, in in this match, I mean, it's not really a spoiler. We talked about it last week, but he he squashes Dick Murdoch here, and Dick Murdoch's like a really sort of push person in the promotion at this time. And he ends up winning this in a few minutes. But Humongous was was someone that was around in sort of 84, um, and, and but never really prominently featured um, in sort of any real kind of mainstream um, mainstream promotions. I'm, I'm saying that now I'm doubting myself. So I'm just going to check that on Cage Match. But yeah, and and, and it, he's I mean he's this is he's, he's a big guy, isn't he? So yeah, he is. Yeah, and he's I, got I, some uh, he's got some Damien Demento type furry ankle, <laughs> and we could call them ankle swingers, couldn't you? <laughs> you? You could, yeah. I mean, he wasn't around in Mid South very long at all, um, and yeah, Lord, maybe yeah. So he uh, strong right? lad. Perhaps I'm looking at the wrong person here, but it must be Lord hum- Lord Humongous. Um, Pat, I'm, I'm not sure whether he's. Uh, I mean, this is this is excellent uh, podcasting here, and I'm I'm in an iron about what I'm seeing on um, on Cage Match, but yeah, he just doesn't seem to have a lot of stuff given his initial sort of push here, um, and I think there are some appearances of his of his missing, but he later had a USWA run to to what kind of what world class became in 1989, and that was where yeah. he had a more prominent run. But yeah, just a bit of just a bit of a strange run. It's interesting. I can't find too much more about him. Um, in terms of his his mid south run, because I'd have thought, I mean, he's massively pushed it. So I wonder if something, I wonder if, I wonder if Terry or um, or Phil could fill in the blanks there, because maybe something happened, or maybe he got an injury or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a bit, bit of an odd one, um, as we see at the moment. In basically, he Dick Murdoch's busted wide open on the outside, oh, yeah. and Humongous is about to throw him in. A bit of an awkward press slam through the middle rope there, wasn't it? I always remember from the matches that Dick, the, the, the matches that I've seen of, of, of Dick Murdoch, he, he he did bleed a lot, didn't he? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, and basically, we're ne- we're nearly at the end now. So Murdoch's on the ground, and he's about to be put into the Shinomaki, as they call it, which we we know uh, more uh, as the Million Dollar Dream, Dollar and that Dream. is it. Yeah. So this is going to be ref- referee stoppage. So yeah, quite quite a shocking sort of introduction to this um to this humongous character. Given that, I mean, this is kind of the equivalent of someone coming into WWE. Who's this kind of number three or four babyface in WWE at the moment, would you say? Oh, um, that's a good one, actually. Um, I mean, Mysterio's still quite over at the moment, isn't he? He's been playing quite a prominent role. Um, I think I think that's the one thing I, I, I think about with WWE at the moment. They seem to be lacking that that real baby face type. Um, I mean, you've got, you've got Drew, haven't you? But I mean, I, I fancy Drew's for a turn soon. I, I really do. I think he's become a bit stale as a, as a baby face now. Um, how, how much of the products are you watch it? We don't, we don't, we don't talk. I mean, because I'm not watching any, so we don't really talk much WWE now. No. But how, 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 what's your rig? Do you, are you reading a lot? Do you catch some highlights? I, read, I, read, I, yeah, I always, I always read the raw reports, Smack, Smackdown reports and stuff mm. like that. I mean, Smackdown's hot at the moment and that's all down to Reigns. Uh, do you know what I mean? Reigns mm. is, 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 is been stellar, isn't he? This, this year. Um, I, I'm still keen to understand where they're going with, with Reigns. You know, are they, is this all leading to a WrestleMania match with the rock? Is it, I, I, I'm not convinced by that, to be honest with you. Um, but 
Yeah, it's Raw's just uh, Raw. Ugh, I can't. Yeah, I don't watch any of Raw, but I do watch the SmackDown highlights and stuff like that because I think that is a good program at the moment. And obviously NXT is 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 hot as always. So uh, well, we'll, um, I'll just recap. We'll come back to, to WWE uh, quickly. So basically, Ross said that, that what that in that match is one of the most shocking things he's ever seen. And Murdoch said that pro wrestling was the toughest sport in the world. He's played football and done rodeo, uh, but pro wrestling is the toughest. He said he was geared to wrestle one person on TV. Then it looked like he was going to wrestle the nightmare, but then they brought out Humongous. He has hit a lot of people with his elbow, but no one has ever shaken it off like Humongous did. He said he's not sure what they're going to do, but Humongous picked him up like a paperweight. He added that somewhere down the road they would have to face up again. I thought this is, this is pretty decent stuff on Murdoch. Um, going back to Reigns, I think that is the plan, but the thing with The Rock is it's very difficult. I'm sure The Rock would love to do it, but it all, it all depends on if The Rock gets offered... You know, I, you know, I, you know, I don't know. It could be any film that we don't even, we don't even know yeah. is in existence at the moment. And they were like, well, yeah, we need to film in April through till November, and it's a ten, it's a ten, a ten film deal, and it's worth yeah a billion dollars. He's not doing WrestleMania, you know. So like, yeah. that's that's the thing. Um, and then the, you, the, you do sorry, think go, go that's ahead. the culmination though of the storyline of him being the head of the table. You do think that's the culmination of him working his way through to. To, to The Rock, isn't it? But it's like, what are you going to fill that void with between SummerSlam and, and WrestleMania? Because that's that's like another nine months away and that's a hell of a lot of time to fill uh, with with who's really going to... Comp- who, who is going to be really a legitimate competitor to, to Reigns unless they bring back in in, in Lesnar. Um, mm. do, do, or, or, do, do you know what I mean? That, that, that for me, there's a genuine lack of competition for Reigns at that level. The only people I can think of is 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 like a Rollins, but he's a hit. You, you know, you're not you're not going to play them too hard. If anything, they're going to come together more than 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 than, than go against each other. Yeah. So I'm I'm a bit unsure how they're going to fill nine months worth of TV. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. The other thing for me is I think. The end goal for this character has got to be for me who beat who as a babyface beats him. Yeah. Um, if you if he's staying heel, if he doesn't naturally if he doesn't naturally become a babyface, which is possible, um, though he's playing such a heel character that the crowd aren't behind him at all. I don't think from what I what I said, which is which is great. Obviously, that's that's what he's uh, what yeah. he's going for. Um, but yeah, I, I I do wonder whether whether. Um, the thing for WWE is I don't I you know I I did watch I've watched some bits and pieces of SmackDown and I keep up to it with a point to a point but I don't really read anything now. Um, but the thing is I I look at a, I watch AEW every week and I I look over there and there are younger babyface particularly babyface people and and also heels as well to be fair but some young babyfaces that I think you for whatever reason whether it's size or age or whatever you just wouldn't get the chance on the main roster and you think well. You just mentioned Lesnar. You've, they've done that. If they've done that at WrestleMania twice already, Rollins and Reigns obviously got history, um, and they've had some matches previously, not on a, in such a high-profile position as a WrestleMania. But it's like, does anyone really want to see Lesnar and Reigns again? And this is the thing. It needs. To, I feel like it. Something. Something needs to happen that, to freshen that product up, really, because it's. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested. I, I will. I, I am interested in Cena and Reigns. I, I will watch that. Yeah. I'm interested in Cena. Um, but I, I don't know. The, the SmackDown I saw him on a couple of weeks ago, I thought his promo was a bit iffy. I, the crowd's behind him, but he yeah. was very cheesy. I don't know what you thought of it. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. It was same old, same old. Really. Yeah, it really I, I was. Thought. But I always, I always, I always go back to the um, 
um, uh, with Cena and Reigns. That that first time that they met, and Cena did that awesome promo uh, with Reigns, and, and like when Reigns was struggling to get his words out, where he was stuttering and mm. and, and, and and stuff like that. Uh, that that was just that was just an awesome awesome promo. So you can see how far Reigns has come down the line, really, with his his his, his verbal stuff you know it's almost he's got so good now he doesn't actually really need to say anything to elicit that that reaction but obviously having Heyman with him as well I suppose the dynamic is as well as if you bring Lesnar back where does Heyman fit into that equation as well so that's that that would add a little bit of intrigue to it wouldn't it so Lesnar has to be the face again I suppose which he kind of was by proxy uh WrestleMania 31, I suppose. And um, just just to touch on what has just happened on Mid South, though I suspect most of you who are listening to this aren't watching along. I can't imagine there's too many people watching along. So I think I think you'll excuse our, our little tangent into WWE land. So basically, we have Mark Reagan versus Humongous, uh, who came up to the uh, War Machine song by Kiss. Are you familiar with that one? What? No, not familiar with that one. No. So that's basically was used by Taz uh, early in his ECW run before he changed music. I'm sure that Mark will probably know exactly the event being an ECW expert that Taz yeah. first came out to different music. And I hope I, I, I put in my notes about 10 years ago, Taz used that, but I could be wrong about that. Um, and basically he made sh- a very short work of Reagan here, who took an awkward looking press slam in the early going before being finished off again with the Shinomaki future million dollar dream in 106 uh, and humongous kept on kept the hold on after the bell until humperdinck eased him back by his mask and broke the hold and ross called him one of the strongest forces in professional wrestling and after the break um we got eddie gilbert versus the nightmare so the battle of two former friends and actually eddie had got solid cheers um in spite of nothing on this television show at all to kind of really solidify his babyface turn. All that happened is that Oliver Humperdinck basically took the nightmare away from him. Um, and yeah, and, that, and, that, and we're in, we're into kind of the match straight away here. Um, did, 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 you, did you ever see much of it? Because Eddie Gilbert's one that for me kind of was a bit, little bit before my time and also in, in working in promotions um, that while I was watching wrestling at the time that I had no access to. Do you, do you know much about him or sort of remember seeing any of his stuff? Uh, his no, very similar to you, mate, really. Yeah. Not- not you know he's not really been much on my radar um yeah um, don't don't really know a massive amount about him to be honest with you no i know he was he was very talented and unfortunately another 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 wrestler who went too um, young went too young yeah and th- and this actually was was pretty good for for as long as it went um and eddie gilbert showed some nice fire here against um against north american champion the nightmare who i'm not i said this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago this um this time in this promotion, I'm not massively feeling, and I'd be interested. I'm interested in talking to, um, you know, the guys that lived through it at the time, whether they they've got any recollections of um of whether this was a bit of a downtime. But we've got you know Bill Watts on another comeback. His comeback a year earlier than this was the biggest drawing thing Mid South ever did when they did him and Stagger leave us the Midnight Express. But a year yeah. on, it just feels a little little bit more diluted. Rock and Rolls have gone. Obviously, Midnight Express have gone. Fantastics are in and out. We've got the Nightmare as a champion. Not sure about him. It's just, yeah, it's just kind yeah, of a weird one. It's a bit of a, a, bit of a transitional, transitional period, isn't it? Really? It really so. is. Yeah, it, it really is. And I'm looking, I, I feel like the guys like Terry Taylor and that's, that's sort of the people that I want to see kind of more of really but i'm getting less of that and more more in the direction yeah. of, of others but um i'm sure it'll pick up i know that the night in 1985 it won the wrestling observer readers television show of the year so i'm hoping oh, okay. that it, it um it moves it moves into the right direction as uh 
what do you think? If I, I can't be comfortable wrestling in that mask, especially, I think, is, he, is, it, is, his, is his mouth covered or has he got just, I think most of it's covered. It's just a small bit over his lips, isn't it? But well, I think, I think, I think we... I think we've all got good experience of what it's like to be wearing masks, haven't we? So yeah. uh, if you can imagine doing actually then physical activity as well in uh, in um, in a mask as well. Yeah, it's um... yeah, not the best. It's bad enough packing your shopping in one, let alone trying to wrestle a match. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, for, for listeners in the states, our mask situation is is a little bit confusing now. In uh, it's kind of you have to wear one on the un- underground railway, but um, apart from that, it's kind of discretion now. So I suppose you, 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 I do wear one in the supermarket, and if there's a sign on the shop, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I was walking. I went to cricket the other night, and it was really nice walking around without a mask on. And I went to a wedding the other day, and it was like no mask, you know, no mask, and you're at the bar and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, is it is nice. I, I was never particularly anti-mask, but I was I wasn't anti-mask at all actually. But I just so- got on with it. But um. Yeah, it does feel nice not to have to wear them I, quite so much. Yeah, I, I, I'm of the view that I, I, I always have a mask with me. Yes, and I yeah, will, yeah. I will just make a judgment call if it's like if the supermarket's really busy, then I wear one. If I'm if I'm moving through a crowded area, I'll wear one. But there, there are times where where I don't like say it is. It's just quite. I always keep the distance as well. You always try and keep a little bit of a distance and things like that. But obviously. We're moving back into a realm now where we can go back to football matches. We can go yep. back to sporting events, and you know it is very difficult to keep that two meter, one meter gap. But yes, absolutely. And in ring, nice power driver that as well. Yeah, um, as probably predictable, um, Eddie Gilbert was finished off in three forty five by Humperdinck with the pile driver. So that is that. Um, next up, we've got Carl Styles, no relation to AJ Styles, going up. Well, he could be, but. I don't think he is, given that AJ Styles' real name is not Styles, is it? And it wasn't, it's not spelled like this anyway. <laughs> Going up against Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who got a nice reaction from the Irish McNeil's Boys Club. Um, though I'm I'm talking, it hasn't actually happened yet. So if you are that one person that's watching along with us, you're, you're probably thinking, oh, I didn't want to know that because I'm just about to watch it. Carl Styles looks a little bit like Cowboy Bob Orton there. What do you think? Yeah, he's got, yeah, yeah, he's... Good hair. Yeah, very good hair. Nice, yeah. Nice frizzy, frizzy perm type style hair. Yeah, definitely. Good, definitely good volume. Something that I wish that the pair wish of us could. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's funny. I, someone, um, I was with Dan, who you've met through this uh, yeah. the other night, and he we took a picture of us and I zoomed in and I looked like I'd my face had gone through that like aging app that you can get. I'm just like, oh. I started to look like my dad. And I was like, oh, it's my 40th birthday approach so i need to get in like an anti-aging machine or something like that i need someone uh, to uh to invent that alas as hacksaw yeah. is out now um we've had no as we talked about at the, the top of the show they did promise us some superdome show footage but around this time they were starting to say if we've got time we'll give you some superdome footage so uh, okay. are we going to get the bait and switch here as hacksaw jim duggan a, i think that's fair to say that was a brutal a brutal, brutal um, knee drop wasn't it Absolutely brutal, and then we've got a big slam from Duggan, and I think this is uh, this is going to be all over for Mr. Styles. So yeah, three point stance, yeah. headbutt, thanks. spear, and that is it. One, thanks for coming. Two, three, thanks for coming. What do you think you'd have got for that, Styles? Nothing. Twenty twenty dollars. Um, Can't have been much. Yeah. Yeah. Not, Mind you, not... twenty twenty dollars for for a minute's work. I suppose you can't really. Yeah, that's the problem with it, though, is it depends on how far he's had to have, had to have driven to, to get there. Yeah, yeah, because I know a lot of guys around this time were probably... Uh, I mean, I've heard some stuff that you probably read it yourself, like some, some... I can't remember who it was, but what maybe one of the releases earlier in the year, 
um, was talking about how they just didn't make all that much money in WWE after travel expenses and stuff. Just just before we get to the, ne- the next match, actually, um, what are your thoughts on Punk and Brian? Um, neither will have debuted by the time we, we this airs, um, but I think I think it looks like they're both done. So what's your what, what, is that? And also as a follow up, is that more likely? Are you more likely now as a, as a result of that to ca- maybe catch more of that product? Uh, yes and and yes. Um, I mean, you know what my thoughts are on 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 Daniel Bryan. I've always loved Daniel Bryan or Bryan or whatever you want to call him. Um, I, I think it's a real, yeah, I think it's a real it's it's a real uh, a shift, isn't it? In uh, you, you know the the amount of people that they're bringing in and stuff like that. I mean, you can only think that Bray Wyatt will eventually end up end up there as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure with with Brian why why WWE didn't. Do you know oh, what I mean? just I'm gonna have to cut you off there, Shu. What have we got on the screen? Oh, bulletin, bulletin, Mid South Wrestling bulletin. What is this? For the second time in Mid South Moments history, we've got a breaking news, a news flash. So basically, we have got a graphic which read Mid-South Wrestling Bulletin. We then got an unknown person who didn't bother to introduce himself. And he said, we interrupt this match to bring you this crucial update on the events that happened in the Superdome. So we then got some footage from a kind of wide angle while the narrator said there was a very controversial situation. Cowboy Bill Watts and Hacksaw Jim Duggan wrestled Kamala and Kareem Mohammed. And as we're seeing on the screen now, Cowboy Bill Watts was the loser of the fall. And based on the stipulations, he would not ever be able to wrestle, sorry, not ever. He would not be able to wrestle again in the Mid-South area for 90 days. And this was his first defeat ever in the Superdome. And on screen, we saw the closing section of the match, which we've seen, um, with an unknown masked man attacking Watts, with the narrator suggesting no one knew who this was, but the expectation was that he was a new henchman employed by Akbar. They then showed D- Dick Murdoch becoming the new North American champion with a brain buster to huge cheers in spite of a protest from Oliver Humperdinck. And then lastly, as we're seeing on screen now, Jake Roberts and the Barbarian challenged Ted DiBiase and Steve Williams, the Mad, mid, the mad, the mad South, the Mid-South mid-south. Tag Team titles. Uh, Bruiser Bob Sweeten was the special guest referee and it showed him striking Roberts with something in a bag after he didn't get down to make the count when Jake had DiBiase seemingly defeated. The narrator said that they, there appeared to be collusion between mid, the Mid-South Tag Team Champions and the referee. And then he added that Ted DiBiase is leaving for Japan to, in, to attend to his business interests and there won't be any Tag Team Championship matches for 30 days until his return. And he said there was more turmoil in Mid-South than ever before. And the narrator finally introduced himself as Scott Munns. And then we got the graphic on the screen again. We threw back to Jim Ross and Joel Watts. And they didn't they didn't have any idea any of this because we just went back to the match. And in the oh. match, the middle rope broke as we cut That's back. Perfect. So what did you think of all this in terms of the, the, the kind of they're breaking it? This is the second time they've done this and cut in with no reference to it once we've got we've got back, we've come back. So what did you think of all yeah, this? Yeah, because I think wasn't I on the last the last time they had a breaking news, wasn't I? I think I I was on that. Yeah, with sure Bill Watts basically com- coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, not yeah. Bill Watts coming back. It was uh, it was Hacksaw Jim Duggan's eye was the uh, his breaking eye, news. Wasn't it? Yeah, his yeah. eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh... Yeah, that was that was that was that was exciting, wasn't it? So it really uh, was, yeah. Sorry, and going back to Danielson now. So, so you, he's the one for you that's kind of the yeah. 
the big draw yeah. there, yeah. Because yeah. I, I thought he was super. You know that that program on the way up to WrestleMania with 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 Reigns and, uh, and 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 Edge and stuff like that. He was super. He was super over. I thought he was almost getting back to the the WrestleMania thirty type mm. uh, proportions of of popularity and genuinely, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, it, it will make. I mean, you just think of. I mean, there's so many matches that you think about in in AEW, don't you? Meet Omega and Punk, and uh, yeah. Omega and Brian, and 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 just just so yeah, yeah. It, and it will make me watch that product more. So I still, I still the the, the child in me still hopes that uh, there's some sort of angle being built here where there's going to be an invasion, but done properly this time. <laughs> so oh, I do. Than... I think, I think, alas, <laughs> not. Um, I think the thing for Brian is that I think, uh, and again, it's it's really difficult to say this at the moment because Japan, a bit like Australia, are just so far behind where we are and the states are that you, I can, I can say to you, I think one of the key drivers for Daniel Bryan is the relationship of New Japan. But he yeah. might not be able to get into Japan and not have to quarantine for two weeks, which yeah. a lot of people wouldn't want. Why would you do that if you yeah. if you're making two or three million dollars a year, which you might do of AEW, maybe less than that. If you're making a million dollars a year of AEW, why would you go and sit in a hotel room in Japan for two weeks? I wouldn't. Um, right. So that's the thing. It may be six months to tw- six to twelve months, but there's a lot of matches out there, and I think that once that once travel is open, I think you'll see proper New Japan yeah. and AEW crossover. Crossover, um, yeah. I'm very excited about it. I think I think they, that Khan as a booker has got the challenge in his hands that they're going to have three hours of television a week with their new Friday night show. And you can't push everyone. You, everyone can't be on... They'll have their YouTube shows and stuff as well. But in terms of the core yeah. bit, you can't push everyone and everyone can't be on the upward momentum the whole time. But the, the television show is... This week, was it was okay. It, you know, it, it can't... Even Raw in 98 wasn't on fire every week. But the TV show, more often than not, I think is is good. I know that there's, that, you know, there's some things I nitpick with, with AEW, especially on pay-per-view, actually. I don't think on pay-per-view they've ever quite got it right. But I think the show is decent. Uh, I think the show is more often than not good. So, um, yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting when that... I think it's a steady... I mean, what I've seen, I'd say it's a steady 7 out of 10 week on week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's whereas, exactly what Whereas Raw is fluctuates between i'd probably say a a two and a and a five six at the moment for me you know yeah no i I agree six being the um uh sort of not i'm trying to think the word i'll say that six not being the norm if you know what i mean it's it's very rare now that i will hear um you've got to watch this on raw yeah i don't ever get that buzz from twitter or any anywhere really so so we've we've finished the episode just just kind of close off um, what happened at the end. So basically, when we went back from um, from the news bulletin, um, as we said, the match between Cooley and Gray was in progress and the middle rope was was completely dislodged and broken. And the guys did a pretty good job of kind of keeping this together, really. And Ross said there was only one minute of TV time left. He added that there would be more in-depth analysis of what happened in the Superdome uh, with no reference to what we'd seen um, next week. And Cooley eventually won this with a sunset flip out of the corner. So going back, I think this Superdome insert was maybe on some of the Sunday airings of this show in the markets that it aired first on a Sunday. Most of the places got it on a Saturday. A few got it on a Friday. Um, but they all repeated later in the week, usually late you know late late on um on the various different um syndicated television stations that this was on uh, but again this is a really interesting use of a cut-in as we, we as we said it's only been used before um on the dug and eye angle so yeah this is an interesting show and it's certainly even though i said i was a bit down on the promotion at this point it certainly may be interesting to see 
the more depth of the Superdome follow-up um, the following week. So what do you think of this uh, August 10th, 1965 episode of Mid-South Wrestling? Yeah, I thought I, I think there's some good stuff in it, the, the, especially the start um, with um, like the Fantastics and and uh, Dutch and and uh, um, oh, his name's gone out of my head now. Um, Tommy Pritchard. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Superstar Bill Dundee. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Superstar Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I thought it, I thought it was good stuff. I mean, then you know it's good to see Humongous. Um, I like that. I always like like seeing the, the the big guys and stuff like that. So and then obviously the the, the high drama breaking news stuff. So yeah, actually I thought it was a a pretty decent pretty decent episode. So yeah, it uh, was it was by far the most entertaining episode when you're at the edge of something that's already happened. So you couldn't advance storylines much. And I, and I, I, I think the, the, the break-in was really, really good. So shoot, where can people find you online and congratulate you for, or actually wish you good luck for Norwich's first games and congratulate you when you start the season with three victories. They, they can, uh, they, can, they can also wish me good luck because uh, I've got some breaking news, breaking news that I have decided that because I've been so inspired by the Olympics, I am joining my local triathlon club. And I'm are gonna, you really? I am. Wow. I am. I'm gonna in, in, in September. I, I've I've decided because I'm not a good I'm not a good trainer alone. I can't. You know, I get bored very easy. So I thought I've just been so inspired with it and stuff like that. So I've even got in contact with a local triathlon club. And yeah, so hopefully in September I'm gonna start. Um, uh, participating in triathlon activities, although not actually participating in a triathlon race, because I think that could be six to twelve months before I'm probably ready for that. But um, well, you've got but three yeah, years so. before Paris 2024. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, do they do a Veterans Olympics? So uh, they should do. That'd be good. Yeah, <laughs> it would be. Um, so yeah, you can find me on uh, on, on Twitter uh, at Wakefield Canary. Brilliant stuff. Thank you all for listening, and we should speak to you all again very very soon. Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's Number One Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out, all the products. That's on redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid south moments.